We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up? Welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast edition. I'm your host for tonight, Justin. Uh, sorry for the lack of intro tonight. I have spent the last hour or so uh, fighting with my computer, and my recording software is not cooperating. So you'll get the the raw audio tonight with no edits, no sounders, or anything. Uh, apologies in advance, but hopefully this will be enough to get us through uh, to the real treat, which is tomorrow with the trade deadline. And speaking of the trade deadline, uh, there's a lot going on. A lot of wash bombs coming out tonight. A lot of tweets flying around. Uh, we are going to record a trade deadline special tomorrow night. So be on the lookout for that. We'll break down all the moves that go down heading into the trade deadline tomorrow afternoon. But tonight... I want to focus on the game that was just played because, believe it or not, in spite of the rumors, the Thunder did play a game. The Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 109-103. to The Thunder are now somehow tied for the sixth seed in the Western Conference, sitting at 31-20. and Before I keep going, I do want to mention we are pr- proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. If you don't already... Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating or else the Thunder will trade away Steven Adams and that'll be sad. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore uncontested and Facebook at the uncontested podcast. So tonight, the game, the first thing I want to mention is this afternoon, we found out that Terrence Ferguson would be available. The first time in two weeks that Ferg has been available for OKC, which is good news. He's been away from the team for personal reasons. Uh, it started to bring a little bit of flashbacks as to what Thunder fans went through last season with Alex Abrinas, where personal reasons turned into an extended absence, turned into him being waived and departing from the team. And I didn't want to see that from Ferg. 
Uh, I don't think the situations are similar in nature in terms of what was going on. I don't think the the personal reasons were related by any means, but still, you didn't want to see it linger for too long. Two weeks was long enough. Ferguson was back with the team tonight. However, the plot twist came when starting lineups were announced, and our guy, Lou Dort, Lou Tang Clan, got the start tonight over Terrence Ferguson. Uh, Dort was typically filling in for Ferguson in Ferg's absence, but tonight with Ferg back in the lineup and available, Lou Dort still got the start. The minutes breakdown between the two, Dort played 17 minutes. Ferguson played 11 off the bench. Uh, Ferguson uh, recorded a rebound and a foul, and that's all that he has to his stat line. Lou Dort, not much better Four points on two of seven shooting, 0 of three from three. Not a great offensive night from Dort. He uh, he had those three looks from three were pretty good looks, but they did not come really anywhere close to going in. Uh, it it was not a, a Dort's best night. He still looked pretty good on the defensive end. It just was a bit of a sloppy night, and that was kind of a theme for the Thunder overall. Um, Dort had a play in particular that sticks out where he he ripped the ball uh, from Della Vadova and then immediately just kind of double dribbled. <laughs> I don't know what was happening. I feel like it was just like a brain fart. He stole the ball, grabbed it with two hands, threw it on the ground, and grabbed it with two hands again. And uh, you can't do that. Uh, that would be a classic double dribble often seen in youth YMCA leagues. And Lou Dort should know better. So there was just some sloppiness. And I think that kind of addresses something that we wondered coming into this game. Oklahoma City just finished a January in which they never had more than one night off. They were playing every other day and sometimes playing back-to-backs for the entire month. This last week, however, they had four days off. They've had four days since their last game. That's a long stretch. I think the rest was good to get people kind of rejuvenated, get the Thunder players healthy, But I also think we saw the flip side of that tonight. The Thunder looked pretty sloppy on both ends of the floor. Uh, It was not their most polished game. They did not look like they were in the groove that they were prior to this four-game stretch. Or, or, sorry, four-day stretch where they did not have a game. Uh, It was one of my fears on our last group podcast that the four-day stretch with no games, then they have a few games, and then they're going to have the all-star break before they get back into the swing and things. So kind of this two week, two and a half week stretch, they're not going to play a lot of games. And that worries me a little bit for a team that really looked like they were finding their rhythm. I worry about them taking so much time off and kind of losing that groove. We saw what happened to last year's team that was so hot heading into the all-star break. And then just looked like a completely different team once they came back and never really seemed to be able to recapture that groove. Now, a lot of that probably had to do with Paul George being injured. And this team is totally different. I don't think they rely on rhythm as much as last year's team did. However, it'll be something to watch moving forward, given the performance tonight, but Oklahoma city, as they often do, uh, found themselves in the game in the fourth quarter and was able to do enough to win. Uh, A certain man comes to mind who often finds himself at the middle of those fourth quarter comebacks. That is Chris Paul. Chris Paul, notable tonight, his 1,000th career NBA game, which is just kind of a ridiculous thing when you say it out loud. Uh, 10-time All-Star for Chris Paul, 1,000 games under his belt. Uh, Really impressive achievement. Uh, Incredible career that Chris Paul's had, and what a great season from him. Tonight, a quiet scoreline 
In 30 minutes, Chris Paul recorded 12 points on four of nine shooting, one of three from three, three three rebounds, seven assists. Chris Paul had some big buckets, though. He had a couple down the stretch when he needed to. He made some good passes. It wasn't like an outstanding game. It wasn't a, a Chris Paul takeover by any means, but I thought it was a solid showing from Chris Paul overall, and that's really what what we've come to expect out of Chris Paul. He gets the job done when he needs to. Uh, he he plays up when the team needs it, and he knows how to let other guys take over when they need it. And that's kind of the story of tonight. There was one guy in particular who took over tonight and really showed out, especially down the stretch, and that's Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder tonight, 30 points off 10 of 17 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3, Five boards, six assists, uh, 30 points in 33 minutes from Dennis Schroeder. A lot of those coming late in the game. I think he had six points down the stretch when the Thunder really got in a back and forth with Cleveland. Schroeder, uh, per the Thunder, has seven straight games coming off the bench with 20-plus points, which is the longest streak in the NBA this season. I think he's really, really building a nice case for sixth man of the year. Uh, there's not a lot of people in my mind who w- could have a stronger case than Dennis. And it really kind of came to a head with a, a clutch three that he put up from the corner to put OKC up six with under 30 seconds left. And that that ended up being the final uh, winning margin for the Thunder was that six points. He just looked aggressive when the Thunder were not looking like they were hitting a ton of shots. They were kind of settling for outside shots. Dennis pushed it to the rim. Uh, I've talked before in the past about his defensive presence, especially late in the game. He's not the best defender in the world, but his effort late in the game is impressive. Uh, saw some more of that tonight. I really, really, really like what Dennis Schroeder has been doing lately for this Thunder team. I think that if Presti wants to pursue trades for Dennis Schroeder, we've heard his name floated quite a bit. We've heard the New York Knicks mentioned. We know the Wolves need a point guard. There's a lot of suitors out there. I think that Schroeder's play is going to demand a premium. It's going to de- to demand uh, a pretty high asking price. He's earned that. And I think Presti's in a position where he can ask that and wait. And so I think if a team is not willing to give up that high asking price for Dennis Schroeder, they're just not going to get him. And that's the fact of the matter is the trade is not going to happen unless the price is right. So we'll see what happens with that. Schroeder has been awesome. I'd love to see the Thunder ride out the season with him just because it's been fun. But I also think if the if that price is met uh, and you get quite a haul for Dennis Schroeder, uh, it would be foolish not to make that trade. As far as the overall game flow, if you didn't get to watch it, uh, it was a game that from the get-go really felt like Oklahoma City should dominate. Cleveland has been kind of a mess. Oklahoma City has been in a great groove, but that wasn't the case. And a large reason why the game stayed closer than it should have been was three-point shooting. Cleveland tonight shot 15 of 38 from three, which sounds okay. Uh, not Nothing to write home about, 39.5%. But 15 for 38, they started tonight 11 of 18. Uh, so they went just four for 20 after that, but the 11 of 18 to start the game, mostly, I think that was all in the first half, uh, really kept Cleveland in this game. And this is kind of what I talked about when I mentioned that the thunder looked a little sluggish. It looked a little slow. It was these wide open three pointers where Oklahoma city just wasn't getting a defender. They weren't rotating fast enough. 
And as a result, Cleveland was getting great looks, and they were hitting all of them. They were taking advantage of it. At one point, they were 11 of 18 from three while being only 11 of 26 from inside the arc. So they were just crushing OKC from behind the arc, really keeping them in it. On the flip side, though, what I think allowed Oklahoma City to kind of stretch the lead and regain some control in this game was, uh, one, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers three-point shooting going down, like I mentioned, but two, turnovers. Uh, Cleveland was very sloppy with the ball tonight. 20 turnovers leading to 26 points for Oklahoma City. Uh, that That's going to be tough to overcome, especially as your three-point shooting cools down. That led to a lot of good points in transition for Oklahoma City. Uh, Oklahoma City, on the flip side, only had 12 turnovers with 13 points off of those 12 turnovers. The other story of the night to look at, kind of the disparity between the two teams. Oklahoma City, 24 of 30 from the free throw line. Cleveland, only 6 of 11. Uh, That's quite a stark difference. Oklahoma City got lots of opportunities at the line, and they took advantage of them, shooting 80% from the free throw stripe. Uh, The third quarter, like I mentioned, Oklahoma City looked pretty sluggish to start. Uh, Cleveland's three-point shooting actually kind of started to slow down there, but uh, what Cleveland was doing to make up for that is they kept leaking players out for fast break points. It seemed like every time Oklahoma City would miss or Cleveland would get the rebound, they'd throw like a football-style pass up the court uh, and get an easy bucket on the other end. Uh, the, the most memorable of these was a Chetty Osman nutmeg on Gallo, which if you didn't see that, you should go look at that because it was pretty impressive. But it felt like they kind of identified something. I don't know if it was at halftime or what, but they were going to leak players out and get easy baskets. And I got a little worried at that point that Oklahoma City was going to let it get away from them. Uh, that was the only quarter in the game that Cleveland won, and it felt like the tide was turning a little bit. Obviously, uh, the fourth quarter, that didn't happen. Uh, the biggest part of that was Dennis Schroeder, and I thought specifically, kind of going to a moment, this is probably the moment of the night for the game. Um, Colin Sexton hit a three-pointer to put the Cavaliers up one with 3.13 left in the game. And he looked at Dennis Schroeder and, and wagged his finger. This this was noted by Royce Young on Twitter. Schroeder kind of looked at him and said, you talking to me? And ever since that point, Oklahoma City outscored Cleveland 12 to 5. Schroeder had six of those and just picked on Sexton over and over and over and really let him know about it. Uh, I love seeing that competitive spirit from Schroeder. I love seeing it. It really kind of epitomizes this team and their spirit and how they never quit. But I love that he he took that personally, and I think that plays into, like I talked about, his his defensive pressure at the end of games, uh, how it can kind of go up a notch. I think that's some of that that spirit coming out. After the game, I noticed that Schroeder and uh, Sexton dapped each other up, kind of gave each other some respect. So not too dissimilar from, you know, Russ and Dame, uh, where you could take it as beef if you want to, but really it's just two competitors. It's two guys going out, trying to help their teams win uh, tonight. Shooter and the Thunder came out on top. Other notable scoring lines from tonight, SGA, 23 points, 9 of 17 shooting, and 10 rebounds to boot. Gallinari, uh, 15 points, 5 of 11 shooting, 2 of 5 from behind the arc, 5 rebounds. Uh, Kind of been saving Gallinari uh, because this Gallinari was really the story of the game tonight. Early on in the game, there was a report that 
the Miami Heat were looking to acquire Andre Iguodala and Danilo Gallinari. And that really kind of took everybody's attention away from the game. You're looking to see if Gallinari's on the bench. Is he going to, if he checks out, is he going to come back in? Uh, then the reports came out that the Heat had acquired Iguodala. And I kind of wondered, okay, are they still going to try to get Gallinari? What's the deal? It sounds like now what's happening uh, as of, you know, 10.30 p.m. on Wednesday night is a three-team trade with Memphis, Miami, and Oklahoma City. The details are unknown, but it likely involves Iguodala going to the Heat, reportedly Justice Winslow going to Memphis. I am hoping that reportedly is false because I would love to see Justice Winslow if this deal does, in fact, transpire. I want to see Winslow in Oklahoma City as part of this. There's a lot of variables at play. Uh, it's hard to say what's definite, what's factual, what's up in the air. Um, but the good news is, like I mentioned, we have a trade special coming to you tomorrow. So once all these trades are finals and final and we know all the details, we will be able to break this down a little more formally. But it sounds like there could be some potential for Oklahoma City to maybe take back uh, some protections on the pick they received from, from Miami earlier this summer, kind of roll those back to be an unprotected pick. That might have some mutual benefits, uh, obviously, for the Thunder, but it sounds like there might be some positive ramifications for Miami in that as well. A lot to digest. There's going to be a lot to look at and talk about and uh, digest, or sorry, dissect for the next uh, 12 to 14 hours or so. Uh, keep your notifications on. It's going to be exciting. Now I would like to move into some Twitter questions. You guys are awesome. You always come through with Twitter questions. Uh, the first one that I think we have to start with uh, <laughs> is from Mr. Burbs, who asks, trades or what? Goddamn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are lots of trades. Uh, lots of trade rumors happening right now. Like I mentioned, there's a lot of excitement around the league. I think if I were a betting man, I think this three-team deal between Miami, Memphis, and Oklahoma City gets done. I think we hear something uh, at some point in the near future. Uh, somebody asks, uh, at a yount, 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 I don't know, underscore 15, asks, are you mentally prepared for another 2 a.m. Woj bomb with Gallinari news? Uh, that's kind of what I'm expecting. Uh, I think getting Pat Riley and Sam Presti kind of going toe-to-toe -to -toe with this deal is fascinating. It'll be interesting to see where it ends up. But if I had to bet money, I think this deal gets done. Which takes me to another question. At Nate underscore 027 asks, was this the last game with Gallo on OKC? My gut leans yes. I've had a blast watching Gallo. I've long felt that he is one of the most underrated players in the league. I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. Some of that is brought on by injury. I understand, but he can flat out score. I think watching him, if he does end up on the heat, it's going to be fascinating uh, alongside Jimmy Butler and uh, Tyler Hero and guys like that. I, I, I think, uh, especially with Bam Adebayo inside, I think the heat are going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, I think Gallo is going to be huge for them. It's going to be sad. You know, it's been a short, uh, short trip with Gallo. It hasn't been uh, a long tenure with the Thunder, but it's been fun. I've enjoyed watching him. And if this trade does indeed go down, uh, I wish him all the best. 
Next question is from at DJT13. What is the best and worst possible situation after the deadline? I think the best is that Oklahoma City trades Gallo to the Heat. They get Justice Winslow and draft compensation in return, or they get uh, Tyler Hero, somebody that's a really solid prospect out of this deal. That's what I want to see come in return for Hero and, or sorry, for Gallinari. And I think that given the other trades uh, that we've seen go down, the what the Rockets were able to ship Capella for, I think it's reasonable to think that Gallinari could get a decent haul on the market. I think the worst possible scenario is that the Thunder trades Gallinari for, you know, say that Miami pick that they've already gotten, it's unprotected. And it's it's as simple as that. You you absorb a couple bad contracts from Memphis, and that's kind of your part in the trade. That doesn't feel like enough to me. Given all the scenarios we've talked about with potentially a, a sign-in trade this summer with Gallo or, or things like that, I feel like the market's there for Gallo to get more. So personally, that's my worst po- worst potential scenario after the deadline is that the Thunder give up somebody, whether it's Gallo or Schroeder or somebody else, and doesn't get what feels like a nice return uh, because I'd rather just ride this thing out. I want to see the Thunder uh, ride this team into the playoffs if that kind of price is right deal doesn't exist. At Grubbs, Damien asks, with the heat trade likely being completed, what young player would you like in return? Hero, none, Robinson. Uh, I think Hero. Hero's been awesome. I hated on him and his little T-Rex arms all last summer when we were looking uh, at draft prospects, but he's been so, so good for them. Uh, His shooting's incredible. I think he would fit on the Thunder. Uh, The youth is obviously there. I think Hero could be a big piece for the Thunder. So out of those guys, uh, Hero's the one that I want. At T-Rush21, did we underestimate Dennis to start the season? And is there a chance Presty takes him off the trade table? I think we might have underestimated Dennis, but I also think we just estimated Dennis properly and that Dennis has been awesome this season. I think he's played his best basketball of his career this season. So I don't think it's necessarily that we underestimated him. I think we saw him for what he was. I think this year he's been better. And so in regards to your second, the second part of your question, is there a chance he comes off the trade table? I think the fact that he's playing the best basketball of his career is all the more reason to be on the trade table because it's probably not sustainable. History would tell you that he's going to revert to the mean. Maybe not. Maybe he's unlocked a new gear. We don't know. But I think more than likely, he's going to go back to Dennis Schroeder that he's been for the majority of his career. I think now capitalize on his high value and get what you can for him. I think he's slightly too old to remain a part of the Thunder's long-term plans. So as much fun as he's been this season, I think you move him if the deal arises. At Black Dolphin 5 asks... So do you agree with the tech called on Schroeder because he ran all the way to the other side of the court? This is a great question, something I didn't cover earlier in the podcast. There's a really weird moment, if you didn't watch the game, where Schroeder came around a pick from Adams, had Sexton behind him, and Schroeder did the move that lots of savvy point guards do where he stopped, and Sexton ran him over. And 99 out of 100 times, probably 100 out of 100 times, except for last night, uh, that's a foul on Sexton. Uh, it's a savvy move. It's cheap, but it works. And it's worked uh, pretty much every time I've ever seen it done in an NBA game, except for this time. Shooter was called for an offensive foul for stopping and having Sexton run over him. 
to which Schroeder ran down the court to the other side, which the refs also took exception to and gave him a technical. He didn't yell. He didn't wave his arms or stomp his feet or do anything that Draymond does every single time he has a foul called on them. But he got a technical. Uh, Billy was upset. He challenged the call and he won the challenge. So the, the offensive foul intruder was taken away, but the technical still stood, which is weird to me. So you're saying that the foul that he was upset about wasn't a foul, but his reaction to the foul that was a bad call still warranted a technical. Uh, felt a little weird to me. I do not agree with it. Uh, I thought it was a soft technical. I also thought it was weird to be able to to uphold it. I don't know what the intricacies of the rule book say as far as taking that back, but it was a weird scenario for sure, especially late in the game uh, when the Cavs and the Thunder were going back and forth, and that could have been uh, a deciding free throw from Kevin Love. So I don't know. At Danny Biz asks, you think Dort has the starting spot secured or do you think Ferg off the bench was because he hasn't played in a while to get into rhythm? I think it's, it's to get into rhythm. Uh, I don't think that spot is secured. I think probably for the rest of the season, if I had to guess, assuming personnel stays the same, Ferg and Dort will each kind of go through stretches. I know Billy likes consistency in the starting lineup, but given what's happened, it wouldn't surprise me to, to kind of give guys, you know, five, 10 games at a time, starting in that spot and kind of see what happens. I think it'll be a little bit before Ferg gets a chance to start Uh, 11 minutes tonight. He looked pretty rusty, kind of getting his legs back. I think once that happens, maybe after all-star break, you'll start to see him get an opportunity uh, to start. But until then, I don't know. I don't think dirt Dort has performed well enough to totally lock it up. Listen, he's been awesome. Uh, I'm all about the Lutang clan. Uh, It's been incredible to watch him. But it's also like six games, seven games. I think tonight was number eight. Uh, It's a very small sample size for an undrafted rookie. And more than likely, he's going to go through a regression. I don't know if tonight was a a preview of what a regression could look like for him. But regardless, it's going to happen. And in those moments, I think you'll definitely see Ferg get an opportunity to, uh, to showcase what he's got. Last question. At Hunter Harjo 7 Asked, thoughts on the snow today? Uh, what a delightful little winter wonderland it was around Oklahoma City. Uh, if it's going to be this cold, it might as well snow. There's nothing worse than when it's really cold and it doesn't snow. That's just, like, it's cruel. So for once, I'm glad to see the weathermen got it right. Uh, Oklahoma City got some snow, and it was a beautiful thing. That's all the Twitter questions. That's all I have tonight. This is where the outro would normally be bumping, but, you know, technology and whatnot. So just play it in your head. Uh, beatbox if you want. I'll understand. That does it for tonight's podcast. Like I mentioned, tomorrow, trade deadline special coming after the trade deadline. Uh, tomorrow night we will record. We will break down everything that happens, uh, both for the Thunder and league-wide. Then uh, we have a little uh, programming note moving forward. We will have no podcasts uh, the 7th, 8th, and 9th. The 7th, Oklahoma City plays the Pistons. We will not have a podcast after that game. And the 9th, they play the Celtics. We will not have a podcast for that game either. We are migrating podcast hosting services. And with that comes a mandatory blackout period. 
So we're getting through the trade deadline. We're going to switch things over. And that brings us to all-star break where we can uh, get back in the swing of things. So we're trying to make up for it with uh, the John Hamm trade preview earlier in the week and the trade deadline special tomorrow. So hopefully you don't miss us too much. We'll still be tweeting along with you. We'll still be watching the games with you. We just will not have this post-game podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening uh, and enduring through my technical difficulties. I'm Justin. I'm on Twitter at OKC Tracker. Go give me a follow. Follow us, our podcast, at the underscore uncontested. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure that our podcast shows up in your feed, makes it nice and easy. Turn on downloads so you don't even have to think about it or worry about your cell phone bill. We will be back again tomorrow after the trade deadline. Get excited. Uh, lots, lots more coming your way. I'm sure that we'll all get woken up in the middle of the night by a Woj bomb. And the Thunder will look completely different tomorrow. So we have that to look forward to. Uh, <laughs> so thanks again for listening. And as always, Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.